Hi, I'm Leslie Wong, and I'm a content and cheerful civil engineer at San Francisco Public Works. I've been with Public Works for over 29 years. I am the section manager for the hydraulic section uh, within the Bureau of Engineering, and that's my full-time job. My side gig is I'm also the acting deputy bureau manager for Bureau of Engineering. I was born and raised in San Francisco, so it gives me pride to give back and contribute to the city. As a hydraulic section manager, people wonder, you know, once they flush the toilet, the toilet just, you know, goes to some magic spot, spot and everything gets cleaned. And what they don't realize is that we have hundreds of miles of sewers in the, the city's collection system. And um, without the engineers in my section, and, you know, the PUC client, you would have a septic tank or some sort of thing that's cleaning out your sewage. And instead, it's getting collected through the pipes that we help replace and maintain. It goes to a treatment plant where um, some of the other engineers, like mechanical engineers and um, structural and electrical engineers, help do the designs and maintenance of those systems, treat that wastewater, and then goes out, out a couple miles out of, of um, Great Highway. I guess the career chose me. Um, when I was little, my dad would encourage me to tag along and help him out with maintenance of the building um, that we had. So, you know, you could find me helping him out, replacing a light fixture or an outlet or even replacing the rope inside a window sash. And then on weekends, we would be painting the walls and that kind of thing. So I guess... You know, when I was little, I go, darn, I have to follow my dad. And, you know, instead of going out to play or whatever, I have to, you know, help him out with uh, changing out a light fixture. But, you know, in retrospect, it's like, wow, he's teaching me a life skill. Back then, I didn't know the difference. You know, a girl shouldn't be doing these kind of things. And, you know, a boy would, were taught that guys are, you know, responsible for doing handiwork and stuff like that. And. So in a way, I don't know if it was because he just needed an extra pair of hands or because he wanted us to learn something more than what was set culturally in our, you know, what our boundaries are, that I felt, you know, now that I appreciate it even more, you know, he gave us that opportunity to um, do things that typically was not the norm for a girl growing up at that time. The other thing that was very interesting was when I was little, Hyde Street was being torn up to be replaced with cable car tracks. Unbeknownst to me at the time, it was a street improvement project. They were replacing the sewers, they were replacing the rails, and, you know, the pavement was restored. So um, I got a front row seat, kind of, in a way, to um, see what it was like to do work in the city. There are a few people in my life that have made a great impact on me. Without my dad working the long hours and, you know, getting us through college and not having to worry about where our next, you know, meal was or where we lived or that I didn't have to worry about tuition for college. And, you know, my mom always like, you know, telling us to um, study hard. And, you know, even though she didn't, you know, understand English that well, she was like learning along with us so that she too can test us on quizzes and stuff like that. 
My mom learned PowerPoint so that I could ask her for help. Um, that's something that I always find astounding. Also, my, um, my college friends, if it wasn't because of my college friends, I probably didn't, wouldn't have started as an intern with the city. Um, they were the ones that said, oh, I'm going in for an interview Did you turn in an application. I'm heading over there right now. Let's go together and turn it in together because back then it was paper and, you know, no email. <laughs> so um, I think those um, folks, you know, my college friends, uh, my parents for, you know, giving us the characteristics that and that drive um, to be where I am now. And then, you know, once I was here, being able to have good colleagues and uh, co-workers that help with my path to where I'm at right now. So I started as an intern, actually, with the PUC for six months. After that, I was an intern with DPW um, back in the day <laughs> when it was called DPW. And then I, then after that, I was hired as a junior engineer with Streets and Highways. It's a bit surreal. I didn't have that high of a bar to that I was trying to reach for. I was more like, oh, if I could get it, get to a uh, associate engineer before I retire, I'd be very happy. And unwittingly, I became a associate engineer, in my opinion, quite quickly. And then. I was quite content for the next couple of years. And then I transfer rotated to hydraulic section. And then I felt like the opportunities afforded me kind of was unlimited almost. So it was quite eye-opening, I think, for me. Because I really did not think. I was like, okay, I'm going to be an associate engineer. And woohoo, I got a, you know, full engineer. And didn't think I was going to go any further than that. And then, wow you know, section manager. Cool. So <laughs> dumb sheer luck. <laughs> you know, I'm joking about it, but hopefully it was because my managers thought that I was doing a good job and that they saw potential in me to take the next step and move up towards some more, more leadership positions. And I hope it's a testament to my work ethic. But even 10 years ago, I would not have thought that I would be where I'm at right now. Maybe not even five years ago, so very grateful. I guess I, I did think about this question about, you know, how many uh, women engineers in leadership positions have there been since I started as an intern? And quite sadly, I can only say that you know, in my recollection, when you look at just the Bureau of Engineering, there weren't that many. So it's kind of sad. And I guess that still kind of feels like a barrier that if we're not proven or tested and we don't go and do 200 um, percent, that opportunity might not come. I think we need to make sure that we have a good grouping of folks that are um, both male or female in the middle management roles as group leaders, as supervisors. If you don't have that, then, you know, and you're not able to demonstrate that, you know, you could go on to the next level, 
you try to promote from within, but if the within is primarily male engineers, there's not much to choose from on the female side. Women and en- that are now, you know, coming in and being the junior engineers and the interns have better resources that back in the day, we didn't know what STEM was and that schools now teach everyone, you know, regardless of whether you're a male or female, that there is something, you know, there's engineering, there's science, there's technology, um, that it's something that you can reach for the stars for. So we're going to have to do more to, you know, mentor our entry-level engineers to see if they do want to be a leader in the future, you know, five years from now to be a mid-level manager and, you know, 10, 15 years from now to be higher than, you know, that. Obviously, we also lose folks a lot um, through attrition or better opportunities elsewhere. And maybe we do such a good job of training, you know, our entry-level engineers, they get gobbled up by other departments and other city agencies, which seems to be happening right now. I like to encourage people, especially those who are entering the workforce, to speak up. That you shouldn't stay quiet. I'll, I'll harken back to one of the interviews I had with one of the hiring managers. And this was back in the day when Microsoft was brand spanking new. <laughs> uh, one of the questions the hiring manager asked was, do you know Microsoft? And my answer was yes. And I looked at him like, what do you mean? I don't know, you know, all the suites. I didn't get hired. I subsequently did get hired in that group. But when that hiring manager came back, they were not very happy. Uh, they drew uh, they drew obstacles at me and was wondering how come I could get the work done so quickly. And it wasn't until a year later when um, they gained my trust and really understood that I was doing the work, that I had the courage to ask the hiring manager, who was my supervisor at the time, why do you always have a growl on your face? The manager suspected that I was asking someone else to help me do the work. And that's why the product was coming back so quickly. And that ma- that manager said, that's because when you interviewed, you told me you knew nothing about auto- uh, Microsoft or Word and Excel. I'm like, does it look like I didn't know Word and Excel? Um, the manager said, no, I think you know it very well. I'm like, I said, so what made you think that way? And they said, well, it was because you just said yes, and you didn't elaborate. So that taught me that you should always try to sell yourself, not oversell yourself to the point where you're going to get yourself in trouble if, once you're hired, but sell yourself so that you know your future employer or manager or colleague knows that those are your strengths that you know it's important to not just give out one word answers that you need to tell them that I can do the job I do try to have you know my staff heard but you know, oftentimes you do have to be a bit careful because some folks prefer to stay quiet and others are the loudest in the room. 
and um, allow the folks loudest in the room to speak up, but I may go off to the side later on and talk to those that do not feel comfortable speaking in front of a big audience and say, how are you doing? Or what do you think about you know this? Or at least I try. I might not be successful 100% of the time, but I do like to uh, get gained feedback from everyone that's involved in what's at stake. Trying to satisfy everyone, I think that's the hardest part of, you know, keeping everyone happy as a leader. You're always gonna find that your decisions will be, you know, accepted and recepted 90% of the time. And there's that 10% that you have to figure out a way to best soften the blow per se. Um, and try to work out some plan B if that decision that you make kind of goes backwards or sideways. I would like to think that I have situational leadership. I try to lead with a hands-off approach um, when I know that folks are thriving and flourishing. But yet, when I need to, when I feel that someone might be struggling, give them some you know guidance and help and support. I would try to point out what their successes are and what strengths that they have and try to parlay that with projects that might be something up their alley to keep their interests. Not that I would sugarcoat and tell everyone, oh, you're you're doing a perfect job, but I would try to say, that being said, these are things that maybe you can uh, try to improve on or during your next project work on so that you're always having improvement and you're always learning. There are times you will face challenges and it's how you deal with this adversity. You always have doubt in yourself. Am I doing this correctly? Am I making it worse? Is it helping or making it not better? Or um, should I not have even said that? So oftentimes I, I do have those doubts in my mind. But when that does happen, oftentimes I keep my mouth shut. And then the second thing is I'll, I'll kind of like talk to my family. Even though they're not in engineering, they have a different perspective or, or they see things in a different way. Or I'll talk to my colleagues or my uh, peers and get that um feedback on oh what should I do or if I did this or I did this what do you think did I do it wrong the, you know and luckily I have a good set of friends who will go and say oh yeah you did it fine or oh my gosh you did that <laughs> I think you should you know try to correct it and so I'll, I'll you know take what actions I need to do and I'll apologize and I think having humility is important um, as a leader I, I do hear it all the time. You um, celebrate your successes, but you acknowledge your failures and try to fix it. Thanks for listening to Snapshots, a public works podcast.